Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 55, and we have one doozy of a story for you this week. We bring you Where There's Smoke by Michael Payne. Michael's stories about Clooney the Sorceress Squirrel have appeared in every issue of the annual Sword and Sorceress anthology since 2008. He seems to spend most of his time these days writing and drawing 11 pages of webcomics every week, for his Daily Grind and Terebinth series, as well as putting together fanfiction for the current My Little Pony cartoon series under the name of Augie Dog. You can check out the links on the Triple F to see how it all comes out. And we're very pleased to have Cheryl Phipps narrating our story this week. Cheryl was born in Canada and presently resides there, but has also lived in Jamaica and Maryland. By the time she was 16, she had moved... Fifteen times. She used storytelling as a way to fit in whenever she was the new kid in town. Cheryl obtained her BA Honours in Sociology at the University of Western Ontario, and she spent many years teaching call centre representatives, customer service and communication skills. She wrote a book that won second place in an international literary contest. Cheryl has always loved words, grammar, reading, acting and writing, all of these things came together for Cheryl in the form of voiceover work, which she loves. It's time to prepare yourself for a visit to the realm of fire while we listen to Where There's Smoke by Michael Payne. Sudden crackling twitch Clooney's ears memories sparking through her of harvesting termites from the fallen trees back home on her parents' nut farm. The sound kept growing louder, though, its vibrations taking on a supernatural edge that prickled her fur and pulled her out of her notes. 
looking up from the floor in front of the bookcase where she lay sprawled across Magistric Gostelain's treaty on the nuministic forces inherent within the mind-brain interface, she said, Uh, guys, I think we might have a... A cabbage-sized mass of flame burst into the air above Crocker's desk, made him cry out, and nearly tip over in his chair. The fools! came a shout, and Stasith whooshed from the fireplace, his black and gold wings flaring. They shall rue this attempted invasion of our inmost sanctum. But the fireball vanished with a camphor-scented pop, an envelope drifting down to settle on top of the evocation problem Clooney had given Crocker to solve. Huh? he said, picking the envelope up. Anybody expecting any mail? Clooney scurried over the carpet, grabbed Crocker's rope, and swung herself onto the desk's blotter pad, her whiskers still ringing from the sheer an unnecessary amount of power she just felt flexing, piercing, and resealing the very structure of time and space, all apparently to drop off a letter. Careful, Crocker, she said, flicking her claws to summon the basic defensive spells the last few months had taught her to always have standing by. He was squinting close at the envelope. It's addressed to you, Clooney, and it's from... His eyes moved to where the return address should be and went wide, his scent souring with fear. Okay, that's it. We're doomed. Stasith swooped over to land on Crocker's shoulder. Silence, Simeon. Your histrionics do nothing but bring shame upon... His neck snaked down to the envelope, and his eyes went wide as well. This cannot be, he hissed. Unable to keep from scowling, Clooney cleared her throat. Crocker's panicked gaze jumped to her. Then he slapped the envelope onto the blotter pad, his hands springing away like it had suddenly become burning hot. The wavering letters in the center did indeed spell out Novice Clooney, Hua Huo House, Huxley College. But the three words written in the upper left-hand corner made Clooney's every hair stand on end. The Afriti Reni, is it? Master Golans nodded at the envelope, still lying where Crocker had slid it across his desk. You haven't opened it, I see. No, sir. Clooney fiddled with the edge of the pocket she'd sewn for herself along the front of Crocker's robes, her human familiar shivering where he sat. Stasith draped over Crocker's shoulders like he was trying to hide his serpentine body behind Crocker's head. I mean... Considering what happened the last time we were in the realms of fire, I, well, we may have panicked a little. The Magister Magistrorum's brambly eyebrows rose, and Clooney felt her ears blush as she recalled their frenzied rush to the administration building, her clinging to Crocker's robes, the letter wrapped in the strongest ward bubble she could muster, Crocker sprinting with the bubble tucked under one arm like someone much more athletically inclined. Stasith darting ahead of them, bugling. Make way, imbeciles! Make way! Fortunately, at 3.30 on the afternoon of the autumnal equinox, the campus was far from crowded. Orientation week didn't even start for another ten days, and classes wouldn't kick in till the week after that. Besides, Clooney figured that everyone expected odd behavior from Terence Crocker. By all accounts, both the most powerful and the most disturbed wizardry student Huxley had seen in centuries. And yes, those accounts were wrong in almost every respect. 
But one thing she'd learned from Stasis over the past six months was how useful other people's misapprehensions could sometimes be. As I recall, Master Golant said, tapping one long finger on the desk beside the envelope and snapping Clooney's attention back to the here and now. The Afriti Rene declared you blameless for what happened while you were disposing of the magical water you'd left all over her magma fields. A tight smile twitched his beard. I've even heard it said that the Ifrit, who was killed in the flood that day, was not exactly Her Majesty's favorite person. Perhaps you knew Lord Hypabizzle while you were denizen of the Fire Realm, Stasith? No! The fire drake exploded from the back of Crocker's neck, his wings beating faster than a hummingbird's. Clooney's linked to him suddenly a tiny, itchy sandstorm in the back of her brain. The feeling was gone immediately, though. Stasith's snout curling as he settled unruffled onto Crocker's shoulder again. Do not sully the air of your lungs with that creature's name, Master Golans. His final annihilation can only have brought good to the elemental planes, and I am proud to be associated with those who take the credit for that deed. Clooney blinked up at him, and Crocker gave him a sideways glance, too. So what? he asked, waving a hand at the envelope. You think they're inviting us to a party? Stasith's snout curled even more. But Master Gallant's clearing his throat stopped any further comments. Tell me, novice Clooney, the magister pressed his fingertips together. What do you suppose would be the easiest and most effective way to discover what Her Majesty has sent you here? With a swallow, Clooney nodded and scampered down Crocker's ropes to Master Gallant's desk. So much had happened in the eight months since they'd accidentally summoned the Afriti Rene, but Clooney would never forget the gaseous stink of the fire realms and the panic it inspired in her, slinging spells she scarcely knew that first time to save herself and Crocker from getting sucked into the lava, Her Majesty finally grabbing them, dumping them at Master Gallant's feet, then demanding they return to fix the damage they'd caused their efforts during that second visit going awry somehow and causing the flood that had killed Her Majesty's cousin. The envelope almost seemed to glow in the afternoon light, drifting from the windows lining the walls above Master Gallant's bookcases. A flex of her claws lifted the thick paper into the air, and a slash split open its top edge. Nothing burst from it, no death magic or fire imps or poison gas or anything. And narrowing her levitation spell, Clooney pulled out a folded piece of parchment. Not a whisper from her two familiars behind her, but she could feel their magic wrapped around hers, the wonderful warm blanket sensation that came from Crocker and the much spikier power that Shtasith had brought to their partnership. It's... She opened the page turning it so the writing would be right side up. An invitation? Master Gallant sat forward, and Clooney read aloud. To the esteemed novice Clooney, her two familiars, and guest, your presence is requested at a show trial to be held in your honor the evening of the autumnal equinox at Her Majesty's Hall of Justice, downtown Derbijwi, the Fire Realms. Verdict of not guilty to be followed by light repast and dancing. Dress, optional. A moment of silence, then. Huh, 
from Crocker. I guess it is a party. It's not a party, Clooney said for what had to have been the fourteenth time. Crocker frowned from under the floppy green hat he'd conjured atop his head and tapped the invitation resting on the desk's plotter pad. It says light repast and dancing, Clooney. He jerked his chin at the fireplace. Besides, the tea kettle says they do show trials all the time in the realms of fire, and it's not like we have to worry about them finding us guilty when Her Majesty already said we aren't. Glancing at the fireplace, Clooney squirmed, feeling itchy again. Master Gallants had volunteered to come along as their guest, an offer Clooney had immediately and gratefully accepted, and Stasith had made several vaguely reassuring comments on the walk home about how Her Majesty's will was law in the Fire Realms and how she never reneged on a promise. But Master Gallants had looked especially grim as he told them he'd be by their dorm room promptly at 6.30, and Stasith had zoomed straight into the chimney when they'd gotten back his fiery power all banked and broody in the back of Clooney's head. She blew out a breath. Too many times recently, Clooney had seen how the idea of an animal wizard with a human familiar drove seemingly rational beings to odd and sometimes dangerous behavior, and with someone as powerful and capricious as the Afriti Rene knowing her secret, she would need the support of her two closest friends now more than ever. Stasith, she called. Master Gallants will be here soon, if, if there's anything you need to say that you don't want him to hear. What? Crocker looked from Clooney to the fireplace. You think he's not telling us everything? I don't know, Clooney had to admit. She waved a paw, tried to straighten the weirdly fluttering strands of power connecting her to the fire drake, and raised her voice again. Please, Stasith. Is there any reason we shouldn't accept Her Majesty's invitation? You have no choice, that sibilant voice echoed from the smoke-darkened bricks. One of the four elemental rulers of all creation has summoned us. We can no more resist her than we can stop the sun from rising. Clooney blinked, but Crocker gave another of his little snorts. <laughs> okay, first... The whole four elemental rulers of creation thing is pretty much bogus. I mean, just because she's in charge of the fire realms doesn't make the Afriti Rene any closer to the divine wellspring of the universe, or whatever. And second, Stasith, you don't keep secrets from us. You can't. We're all three in this thing together, and well... He stopped, looking over at Clooney. It might be you don't know about the Standfast spell. He cocked his head and shrugged. A chill rustled Clooney's fur as she realized what Crocker must be planning. She wasn't sure she liked it, but after half a heartbeat, she nodded. Crocker nodded back, strode across the room, and squatted in front of the hearthstone. You listening, Tea Kettle? Leaning forward, he reached up the chimney, and Clooney couldn't help from wincing at the squawk that followed, Crocker wrenching Stasith out with a scattering of soot. Unhand me, Simeon. But Crocker had apparently learned a few things, too, in the time Stasith had been with them. A glowing net sprang from his hands to wrap around the fire drake, Shastith squirming unsuccessfully against it. This indignity will not go unanswered. I shall fall upon you when you sleep, and I promise you I shall then— You'll listen, Crocker's voice, cold and sharp, bit at Clooney's ears. 
but she kept them upright and tried her best to look as serious as Crocker sounded. The Stanfast spell's so basic, they teach it here first semester, back before me and Clooney had even figured out she was the wizard and I was the familiar. He jabbed a finger into Stasith's snout, the fire drake's eyes red and spinning. It's simple, but it lets wizards crack open the heads of their familiars and rummage around inside. It feels like white-hot knives slicing into you and your wizard both. But it shows her everything you ever thought and everything you ever did. Everything. Stasith's eyes got even wider. You, you cannot be serious. He craned his neck, peered through the glowing mesh of the net at Clooney. Mistress, chastise the simian for his untruthfulness. This time, she didn't have to fake her scowl. What did you call me? Not mistress. Clooney, I mean. His magic fizzed and sparked. But this is madness. How can such a spell exist? And how— His sudden fear burst like chalk dust against her whiskers. How could you ever, ever? She had to. Crocker shivered, and Clooney almost told him to drop the whole ploy. Except, well, the panic radiating from Stasith convinced her that he really was hiding something they needed to know. The second time we went to the Fire Realms, Crocker was going on, we had to undo this spell I'd cast, but since I had no idea what I'd done, Clooney and Master Gallants couldn't unravel it. The Afriti Rene was going to kill us if we didn't, though. So Clooney had to... had to claw through my brain to get at the info. His voice broke. Trust me, Tea Kettle, you do not want to make her do that to you. None of which was a lie exactly, but the growing terror on Stasith's face made Clooney take a breath. That's not quite what happened that day. True. Stasith said, his voice trembling. In fact, my Clooney, even you do not truly know what happened that day. For while I have meant these past months to relate the tale, no opportunity ever presented itself. And I reassured myself that, since we would never likely encounter the Efriti Rene, I had no urgent necessity to drag you into. A loud knock stopped him the door rattling and swinging open to reveal Master Gallant's in the hallway, his black and purple formal robes more severe-looking than Clooney remembered. Novices, it's time. The transport spell Master Gallant's constructed in their room was of the same one he'd built in his office when he'd taken them to the Fire Realms on their second trip. But even though Clooney could see and understand more of its intricate structure this time, she still felt very much the novice watching a master at work. She found it so fascinating, it almost distracted her from Stasith, physically coiled along Crocker's shoulders above her and etherically pressing into her brain, as jagged as a pawful of shattered glass. Her tail twitching, her claws digging into the cloth of Crocker's breast pocket, she wanted to stop Master Gallant's, ask him to step outside for a moment till Stasith could tell them whatever had happened between him and the Friti Rene. But, well, they were on a schedule, and... Novices? Master Gallant stood among the invisibly glowing balusters of the transport spell, his hand raised to grasp the section of empty air where the trigger rested. 
Might I suggest you bring the invitation? One ought not to take chances when the rulers of realms are involved. Clooney braced herself, Crocker turning, reaching for the parchment, tucking it into one of his side pockets. Master Gallants nodded, took the trigger, and pulled it downward, the very fabric of reality unzipping as it moved. The wooden-paneled walls and off-white curtains of their still sparsely decorated dorm room peeling away to reveal a cacophony of color, searing reds, yellows, and oranges, swirling to fill the space around her, the hot, dry, brimstone-laced air digging into Clooney's lungs like it wanted to suck every bit of moisture out of her. Shouting, chanting, screaming hit her next, her ears pulling flat against her head, her whiskers sweeping every protection spell she'd ever even considered learning, out to surround herself and her familiars to stop whatever was going on here from overwhelming them, and... Welcome! A blast furnace of a voice roared. Forcing herself to settle down, Clooney managed to focus on what was actually happening, instead of what her jittering nerves were telling her. Banners, she could see now, in every fiery shade, billowing from the marble walls of the room where they'd appeared. The black-and-white stone floor, strewn with some sort of flower petals, shimmering like the first golden touch of dawn on a summer morning. Nothing that was going to kill them, in other words, and dialing her panic back one more step allowed her to make out the rows of Ifridi, phoenixes, imps, and other more globular elemental types standing below the banners and cheering, smiles on the faces of those who had faces. And at the far end of the room, rising from her throne like a volcanic eruption, given humanoid shape, the Ifriti Rini spread the magma flow of her arms, the hooting and applause cutting off almost immediately. Exactly on time, too, Clooney, Crocker, and Stasith, and how lovely. I see you've brought Hieronymus Gallants as your guest. Your Majesty, Master Gallants bowed, and when Clooney's still shaky sense of balance started skewing, she realized with a quick stab of relief that it was just Crocker bowing, too. It is truly an honor to be in your presence once again. Of course it is, Her Majesty glided forward, the lava from her chest down suddenly seizing up to form a pumice-gray gown over her hourglass figure. A snap of her blazing fingers, though, and the gown burst into a vibrant flamingo pink. And on this celebratory occasion, all such positive emotions shall be doubled and then trebled. She planted her big fists on her hips and let out a laugh as robust as a fusillade of cannons perhaps even quadrupled for you, novice Crocker, considering the absolutely and entirely appropriate headgear with which you have adorned yourself. Swallowing, Clooney stared up at Her Majesty, taller than most of the trees back home, she was fairly sure, and wanted with every shiver of her heart to believe all this good humor. But Stasith's touch in her head, normally a leaping flame of energy, guttered like a nearly quenched wick, and Clooney found she could barely summon a smile. Fortunately, Crocker didn't seem to be feeling quite so oppressed. "'You're too kind, Your Majesty,' he said, and Clooney almost found herself grinning when he pushed his ridiculous hat a little farther forward over his dark, curly hair. 
Some of my colleagues were a little worried that maybe a hat of this caliber wouldn't sit well in a court of law situation. But I'm glad to know that my inherent sense of fashion was once again right on the money. The withering look Master Gallants gave Crocker forced a chuckle from Clooney's throat, and Her Majesty clapped her hands. That's the spirit. Come, and we shall begin this evening's festivities. A flick of her wrist blasted magma into the wall behind the throne, that whole side of the room shattering like fire-ravaged wood to reveal a courtyard outside. Open glass carriages hitched to gigantic bombardier beetles stood in serried ranks under a sky about as dark, Clooney figured, as it ever got in the realms of fire. "'Let us away to the Hall of Justice,' Her Majesty continued, striding for the hole she'd just made. Our three guests of honor shall ride with me, and the rest of you will follow. Moving in Her Majesty's wake, Clooney felt very glad she wasn't walking. At least Crocker had worn his good boots, she noted, and bracing herself in his breast pocket, she cast an extra layer of protection magic over his hands as he scrambled down the tumbled chunks of marble to the courtyard below. The heat rising from the stones due to Her Majesty's passage made Clooney's whiskers sweat, so she quickly summoned up several cooling spells as well. Living with Staseth had made learning them very necessary. Speaking of whom, turning, she dug her claws into the front of Crocker's ropes and stretched herself up to his left shoulder, the fire-drake's wedge of a head tucked there against Crocker's neck, his normally solid black eyes flecked with red and darting around like he was tracking multiple targets. Shasteth, she whispered. All that stuff Crocker was saying about the Standfast spell. You've got to know I would never do anything to hurt. Foolishness. His sharp but quiet hiss struck her almost as hard as a slap. We must discard such pointless thoughts, my Clooney, and be vigilant instead. All here is not as it seems. She blinked at him, but before she could ask any of the questions that started popping into her head, the herky-jerky ride leveled out, and she craned her neck around to see that Crocker had arrived at the base of the Ifriti Renise landslide. A blue flame of an imp pulling open the door of the nearest glass carriage for Her Majesty. Except it wasn't glass, Clooney realized, from the way the light of Her Majesty's lava refracted through the thing. Each and every one of the several dozen carriages lined up here had to be carved from solid diamond. Come, Her Majesty said again, settling onto the carriage's single bench and giving the space to her right a surprisingly delicate pat. I will tell you the order of this evening's events. Crocker clambered up and sat beside her. The tension Clooney could feel from him so well masked, she doubted anyone not etherically connected to him would have any idea how phony his grin was. It's the light repast part I'm looking forward to, he said, rubbing his hands together. The imp closed the door, wished to hover over the bombardier beetle, and extruded a whip-like filament of fire. Stroking this against the beetle's flank got the creature scuttling forward and the carriage rolled smoothly from the courtyard, past a line of diamond-coated fire elementals, and out an arched gateway onto a street, more guards holding back a cheering crowd of wyverns, firebirds, and other such folk. To begin, Her Majesty said, waving a flickering hand, 
we shall process in this fashion to the Hall of Justice. There we will be met by a group of Lord Hypabizzle's former partisans. For the sake of, oh, shall we say, domestic tranquility, I have agreed to their demands that I formally exonerate you of any blame in my unfortunate cousin's death only after they've presented their evidence to the contrary. Clooney's ears folded. Evidence? Her Majesty looked down and smiled in a way that made all of Clooney's nerves scream, Predator! Fear not, they have not one iota of solid proof. Her smile got wider, and even scarier. Is that not the case, Stasith? The split second of silence that followed wasn't silent at all, not with the crowd cheering and the carriages rumbling and the bombardier beetles snoring. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But it was still as soundless a moment as Clooney had ever known. As your majesty says, Stasith muttered so softly, Clooney didn't think the Rene could have heard it. Her majesty nodded, though her smile now more triumphant than anything else, turned to wave to the crowd again, and the explosion hit so suddenly and so powerfully, the only warning Clooney got was the word SHIELD bursting through her brain in Master Gallant's voice. Her claws flicked half a spell, then a massive weight of water engulfed her, surging over and around and swallowing the entire world. Stomping down her chittering panic, she completed the motions, felt the shield bubble form above her breastbone, grabbed it with her magic, and pumped. Ozone-sharp air struck her whiskers, and she gasped it in, her panic sinking a bit further when two more gasps from above and behind told her that Crocker and Stasith were both inside the shield and alive. "'What's happening?' Crocker shouted, but Stasith shouted louder. "'Unensorcelled water!' It will absorb and dissipate every ounce of Her Majesty's. 
a muffled clap of thunder, and the water vanished, shouts and screams tangling in her ears, along with Master Gallant's voice suddenly right there beside her. Clooney! Crocker! Stasith! Are you unharmed? His voice gave her something to grab onto, something to use as an anchor to keep her mind from spinning completely out of control. Because filling the carriage seat next to Crocker, the spot where the Ifriti Rene had been sitting a moment before, was nothing but a cold and inert lump of basalt. Impossible, Master Gallant shouted over the uproar. He leaped to his feet at the stone slab that served as the defendant's table, and Clooney, huddled inside Crocker's breast pocket, found she couldn't stop shivering. Not that her fur or his robes were still wet after two hours in a courtroom packed with sapient chunks of lava and other fiery folk, but being charged with regicide, she'd discovered pretty quickly, wasn't doing her already jangled nerves any good at all. From the carved obsidian throne, looming ahead of Clooney and to her right, the new Ifriti Rene banged her stone gavel, her lava a pale and gangly spurt when compared to the former Ifriti Rene. Lady Felsick had been the previous Rene's second cousin twice removed or something. But Clooney didn't really remember much of the quick coronation ceremony earlier. She was only now starting to think again, she realized after the shock of the attack and the announcement by the city coroner that the several tons of water had so quickly and completely denuded Her Majesty of Magic that she was now irretrievably dead. Those watching in the gallery quieted slowly, and the prosecutor, an ifrit with a diamond pince raised one molten eyebrow. "'I hope you'll forgive me, Magister Galance,' he drawled but I fail to see the distinction you seem to be. Novice Clooney, Master Gallance interrupted with a wave of his hand, is indeed one of the most powerful students of wizardry I've ever had the pleasure to mentor. But she and her familiars are just that, students. Not only hadn't they a reason to attack the former Rene, they hadn't the ability. The spell I felt forming out there, these so-called students, her Majesty didn't have her predecessor's sheer volume, but her voice still carried easily through the overheated air. Were they not the ones who summoned the flood of water that killed my cousin, Lord Hippabizzle? Master Gallance turned to her, and Clooney could almost smell the effort it took him not to yell. Yes, Your Majesty, they are, but then how, she cut in, can you maintain that they could not have summoned the flood of water that has just killed my cousin, our former Rene. Master Gallance began speaking then about spell levels, about the magnitude of the magic used in this attack, about how Clooney currently lacked the control to deliberately overcome the natural defenses of any full-grown Ifrit, let alone an Ifrit who had ruled the entirety of the Fire Realms for close to six hundred years. But Clooney found she couldn't concentrate, overwhelmingly glad that the Magister had come along with them. She never would have guessed that he was fully accredited as an attorney in all the elemental planes. But then everything had gotten so difficult to believe all of a sudden. How could the Ifriti Rene have been so utterly destroyed? And who could have done it? 
And what did it mean that they'd chosen the same method that Clooney and Crocker had accidentally used on Lord Hypabizzel eight months ago? The more she thought about these questions, the itchier she got. Clearly, she was being set up, but she just didn't have enough information to draw any further conclusions. Of course, she did have a source of information huddled along the back of Crocker's neck, but in order to talk with him openly, she would need to... Not giving herself time to reconsider, she straightened in Crocker's pocket, reached her paws up as if she were stretching, touched claws to both Crocker and Stasith's chins, and cast the standfast spell. When she'd done this before, the sensory illusion that had resulted had been one of being swept away in a raging river. But this time, she felt herself blasted sideways by a massive gust of wind, a cyclone suddenly whirling her way, trying to spin her, ears over tail, through a gray and cloud-choked sky. None of it was real, she knew, so she centered herself, drew the buffeting air into her lungs, pirouetted in place, and blew the power of it out between her teeth, used it to propel her imaginary body backwards in an arc till the swirl of her inner ear told her she was rushing downward, something dark and seemingly solid forming beneath her. A flick of her whiskers made the wind spin her again, and she landed on all fours, the bare stone floor cracking under the impact of her claws. Looking up, she saw the same small, unfurnished room that she'd fetched up in the last time she'd cast this spell. The sky outside the arched glass doorway to her right, a sheer afternoon blue. She puffed a breath, heard two more gasps, and glancing to her left, she saw Crocker and Stasith each sitting up in a corner of the room, her familiars now both exactly as tall as the other. Either Crocker shrunk to fire drake size, or Stasith grown to just shy of six feet long. Of course, the spell had again made her a little larger than them, and pushing herself onto her hind legs, Clooney couldn't help grinning at their wide-eyed stares. Um, Crocker said after a few heartbeats, you're not going to kiss me again, are you? Clooney folded her arms. Am I going to have to? That got a little grin from him, and he cocked his head. It's just I was thinking how it might be even more awkward this time, what with three of us being here and all. Where? Stasitha's neck ridges were fully extended, his wings quivering behind him. What is this place? I... We're within a magical construct of some sort, aren't we? She stepped toward him, motioned with one paw for Crocker to join them, then rested the other paw on Stasith's forearm. We're inside the Stanfast spell, she told him. While we're here, time hardly passes outside, but someone in that courtroom will notice pretty quickly that I'm working magic. So we need to know now, Stasith. She reached for Crocker's shoulder when he came up beside them, and without her even prompting him, he set a hand on the fire drake's other arm. What were you saying back in the room before Master Gallants interrupted you? Stasith swung his head back and forth between them, then lowered it with a sigh. I spent my first twenty years as Her Majesty's private immolator, and on her orders— it was I who sabotaged your spell eight months ago, my Clooney, and killed Lord Hypabizzle. His head snapped back up, his fear so thick and sour 
Clooney couldn't keep her whiskers from folding. It was before I'd ever met you, and her majesty... His voice broke. She banished me from the Fire Realms to save herself and me from the wrath of Lord Hypabizzle's partisans. His neck ridges began to flex like spiny little wings. They've obviously discerned my involvement in his death and are striking it all around me in their attempt to garner vengeance. Huh. Crocker looked at her, his mouth sideways. So what do we do? Throw the tea kettle at him and run? Actually, Clooney tapped her claws against a Sith's scales, the fire drake's words connecting in her mind with what Master Gallants had been saying earlier about the raw power this attack would have required. We might need to make it look like we're doing that. I'll just... Swallowing, she looked down at her two familiars, both dearer to her than anyone else she'd ever known. I'll need you guys to trust me. They both answered at the same time. Well, yeah, from Crocker, and of course, from Stasith. She squeezed their shoulders. Because I'm pretty sure... Magical discharge spiked her fur, and the air itself cracked, shattering around her. Clooney slapped backwards by Master Gallant's voice, shouting, Novice Clooney! Back inside Crocker's breast pocket, she blinked at the Magister's angry face, the Afrit prosecutor glaring behind him. Might I recommend, Novice, he continued, even drier than the dehumidified heat of the courtroom, that when your life is at stake, you endeavor to remain focused on the here and now? Nodding, Clooney forced away all her doubts. If she was right, she had to act quickly while the remnants of the standfast spell still connected her so intimately to her familiars, and said, Yes, sir. It's just, I have new information I must present. A quiet sigh from the new Rene. If this is some ploy to display your client's childishness, Master Gallants, I... If it please the court... Leaping from Crocker's pocket to the stone slab of the table, Clooney flared her power, and popping off a prayer to the gods of evocation that she'd understood the basics of Majestric Gostelaine's theory about the magical properties of the mind-brain interface, she dug deep into Crocker, deep into Stasith, deep into herself threw out a massive matrix of energy pulled from their unique three-way connection and coupled it to the fireball spell she'd developed for Crocker during their first semester, the spell that had accidentally summoned the Ifriti Rene to their dorm room. I bid your majesty appear, Clooney shouted. Every square inch of the courtroom burst into flame for an instant, but, well, since nearly everyone there was already on fire in some way or another, the only cries Clooney heard were from herself and her two familiars, as invisible knives slashed through her and sprayed their power out like blood from a ripped-open artery. Collapsing, Clooney fought to stay conscious, heard a rumble from her left, snapped her head over, and saw the air crack the way it had when Master Gallants had nullified her standfast spell. The cracks widened, a layer of empty space crumbling away. And there, in the front corner of the courtroom, stood the former Ifriti Rene, rage contorting her glowering face, her fists bunching and her muscles bulging. Courts adjourned. 
Her Majesty shouted, and she swooped forward, those fists wrapping around Clooney, crushing her with a pain like none she'd ever known. You little vermin. The voice was gentle, nearly a caress, amidst the waves of agony racking Clooney. That a thing such as you would dare set itself against me. No! The pain was real, Clooney knew, but not somatic. She was lying unbroken on a stone floor, her physical senses told her. The Afriti Rene towering above her, while Stasith and Crocker sprawled to her left. But the fiery tendrils of Her Majesty's wrath, biting and clawing along her every nerve, paralyzed her. Just moving her jaw to get that one word out made her want to start screaming again. No, Her Majesty crouched, a smile parting the magma of her face. You contradict me now? A fresh inferno roared through Clooney, and this time she let herself scream. Please, you have him. Just let us go and you can have him. The whole world seemed to freeze. Then the tides of torment pulled back the barest inch. I beg your pardon? Those gentle tones asked. Offering a prayer to the squirrel mother that this would work. Stasith, Clooney panted. This has all been about him, hasn't it? About you getting him back? She struggled to push herself onto her hind legs so she could turn and bow raggedly to the Afriti Rene. Let Crocker and me go, and I'll sever our connection, renounce my claim, and disavow him as my familiar. Another frozen moment, and every last wisp of pain whisked away. Let Clooney gasp in her first full breath, and she didn't know how long. Their gasps once again let Clooney know that Crocker and Stasith were largely unhurt, but she didn't look over, didn't move her attention from the black and white of the granite floor. You can truly release him? the Rene asked. And let me assure you, mortal, that any attempted tricks on your part will almost definitely cause me to become upset. The clench in Clooney's stomach relaxed a hair's breadth but things could still go disastrously wrong. Master Gallants will be able to confirm what I'm saying, Your Majesty. Which makes me even more suspicious. From the corner of her eye, Clooney saw the black claws of Her Majesty's feet dig into the stone. Still, a rustle like a breeze through an autumn tree, and the wonderful scent of old books washed over her. Clooney! Master Gallants cried out. Your Majesty, I must protest this treatment of my student. She's done nothing. Oh, now really, Gallants. Something that might have been respect crept into Her Majesty's voice. You and I have known each other far too long for such bluster. So just answer me. Can this student of yours, in fact, disavow Stasith as her familiar and set him free? Still not daring to look up. Clooney felt her various internal clenches tighten. Master Gallants wouldn't lie. He couldn't. Everything depended on him telling the truth. So when he sighed with what could only be resignation, Clooney nearly cheered. Yes, he said. The bonds between novices are always loose. 
I've known students to dismiss five or six familiars before finding a compatible pairing. Very well. Smoke wafted down around Clooney. Release to me my immolator. The command pressed against her with a physical weight, dipping her bow a bit deeper. Clooney straightened and turned to Crocker and Stasith, Crocker flat on his stomach and staring open-mouthed from under that stupid green hat. Stasith, nothing but a ball of scaly legs and tail. And for all that this was about, as right as her haphazard plan could possibly go, she hadn't had a chance to tell either of them what she was doing. Still, with the Ifriti Renee's gaze focused on her hot enough to make her whiskers start sweating again, all Clooney could do was trust them. I am so, so sorry, Stasith, she whispered, and with a flick of her claws, she cut the threads of power between them, staggered sideways when the sweet, strong force of him wrenched away from her. Oh! The shadows in the room stretched as the Renee moved to Clooney's side, Clooney swaying, looking up at the lava of Her Majesty's eyes swirling more brightly. I definitely felt that. She sniffed the air and nodded. Honestly done, novice Clooney. And now that my immolator is back in my service, all will be well again. You may go. No. At first, Clooney thought the word had escaped her own throat, her body rebelling at the horrible, lopsided feel of the magic sloshing through her. But with only the warm, steady grip of Crocker's power keeping her upright, she knew she couldn't have spoken, and the way Crocker and Master Gallants were staring at Stasith, the fire drake unrolling to glare at the Ifriti Renee. I beg your pardon? Her Majesty asked. Stasith leaped from the floor, his wings a blur, and swooped to hover in the sulfurous air between Clooney and the Ifriti Renee. I will not serve you, Your Majesty, he said. Not should you fall to your knees and beg. Shock seeped across the Renee's face like water freezing a magma flow, and Stasith crooked a needle-sized claw at her. I loved you once and called you my queen, but you merely used that love, absorbed it, and weakened me to such an extent that when you at last betrayed and abandoned me, I was unable to do anything but betray and abandon you in return. He dropped to the floor beside Clooney and she found her heart was fluttering even faster than his wings had been. In loving my Clooney, however, I have found a friend and a partner. Whirling, he wrapped his coils around her, Clooney gasping as he hoisted her aloft, and settled with her on Crocker's back. Two friends and partners, and the strength they have allowed me to cultivate within myself, it will brook neither betrayal nor abandonment. His snaky neck snapped his head around, his solid black gaze hitting Clooney's as welcome as a summer breeze, and his power sprang back into place, plugging the holes within her. So you will not disavow me, my Clooney, neither now nor in the future. Yes, Crocker shouted. Stretched out on the stone floor beneath them, he slapped a palm, vanished in a shower of sparks, and reappeared sitting cross-legged in nearly the same place, his arms flailing out to scoop Clooney and Stasith against his chest. You tell him, tea kettle! Complete once more, 
Clooney let herself bask in the feeling for two seconds. Then she wriggled free from most of Crocker's grasp and shoved herself around to look up, up, up at the Afriti Rene, her molten complexion darkening, the temperature and air pressure in the room suddenly spiking upward. Unable to keep her ears from folding, all Clooney could do was hope. After all, trusting Crocker and Stasith was one thing, but having to trust the Rene after everything she'd already tried to do to them today? Several more seconds drifted by, Clooney not looking away from Her Majesty's eyes, glowering like the last coals of an abandoned bonfire. Then, Take them away, Gallants, the Afriti Rene said, her voice also ashes. See to it that they do not return. The room went fuzzy around her, then became the first room they'd appeared in all those hours ago. The banners limp against the walls, a team of salamanders busily rebuilding the wall behind Her Majesty's throne. Crocker clambered to his feet, and Clooney let herself slide down the front of his robe into her waving pocket with a sigh. Stay awake, novice Clooney, Master Gallants muttered, stooping to grasp the trigger of his transport spell. I find I have a few questions concerning this affair. That got a groan from Crocker and a hiss from Stasith. But Clooney couldn't keep from laughing. Tomorrow morning, maybe, sir? So I don't find myself facing a mutiny? Barely able to keep her eyes open, Clooney watched Master Gallant's zip the material realm's reality back into place before he dismantled the spell. Scowling, he stepped to the door and said, Nine o'clock in my office, novices. Here's hoping I don't need to call on certain friends of mine in the diplomatic corps to smooth this thing over. As soon as the door clicked shut behind the magister, Crocker folded backwards onto the bed, Clooney too exhausted to move from his breast pocket, while Stasith fluttered up just long enough to miss the impact, then dropped to drape himself across Crocker's chest. Okay, Crocker said. Now that we've seen where me and the tea kettle grew up, I'm going to propose we spend our vacations at Clooney Folk's Nut Farm from now on. He raised a hand. All in favor? Aye, Shustith breathed, the steam of it rolling gently over Clooney. But how did you know, my Clooney? I didn't. She coughed a laugh. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out why anyone strong enough to kill Her Majesty would want to frame us especially when killing an elemental ruler pretty much qualifies you to become an elemental ruler yourself. Whoa! Crocker's voice. Clooney lolled her head up, saw Stasith looking back at Crocker, his head propped on his pillow. We would have been in charge of the Fire Realms? Shastith snorted. Once Lady Felsack had taken the throne, she would never have allowed our Clooney to live. Exactly. Another little clench twinged Clooney's stomach, but she breathed it away. As soon as you told us you used to work for the Renish to Sith, I realized she staged her own death in order to get you back. Just outright killing me would have caused an interplanner incident, but this way her successor would have to find me guilty and kill me, or risk me becoming a symbolic rival for the crown. After I was dead, the Rene could reappear with some story about finally fighting off my spell, retake her title, and get you as well. She smiled at the fire drake. 
because everybody wants you on their team. Got that right, Crocker said with a yawn. Stasith's eyes slitted shut, and Clooney almost thought she could hear him purr. Thank you, he whispered. Snuggling deeper into her pocket, Clooney flicked a claw to douse the overhead light and closed her eyes, too. What a clever little squirrel is Clooney. Clearly, I'm going to have to go back and read the preceding adventures of our furry little sorceress. And that brings us to the end of our show this week. Please don't forget that we have been nominated for a Parsec Award in the Best New Speculative Fiction Podcaster Team category. And in addition to that, anything that we have or will run from May the 1st, 2014 to April 30th, 2015 is eligible for the Best Speculative Fiction Story, Small Cast, Short Form category. These stories are all listed on the Triple F website, so if there was a specific story featured in Farfetched Fables that blew your mind, please feel free to pop over and nominate it. Please remember, as usual, that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it around with all your friends, but you can't change it and you really can't sell it. Be sure to give credit where credit is due, and all other copyright remains that of the authors. If you like what you hear at Farfetched Fables, and I'm sure you do, please consider making a donation to the District of Wonders. The buttons are on the website and are very easy to use. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this, or any of our stories, you can also leave your comments on the Triple F website. Well, that was short and sweet for this week. I hope you're drinking something sweet. See you next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.